Chapter 3 of The Boy Scouts on Lost Trail by Thornton W. Burgess. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 3 Making Ready. Hurrah! Walter Upton threw his hat in the air and turning gave Plimpton a bear hug that threatened to crack the ribs of the smaller lad. You're a wonder, sister, with a capital W when it comes to putting across a smooth talk. It's a mighty lucky thing for us that you had the whole thing worked out as you did, with all those maps and things. The big chief wouldn't have said yes if he hadn't seen that you knew what you were talking about and had something solid to work on. We certainly owe it to you, old scout, for having such a bully scheme all worked out and ready when the other fell through. But I don't believe we would have gotten away with it then if Pat Malone hadn't said he'd go. It'll be great having him along, better than if we had Big Jim or one of the other guides, because it'll be more like doing the stunt ourselves. Pat's a boy scout himself, and if we succeed in finding the old trail and following it to the end, it will be a record for scouting that we can send in the headquarters and be proud of. Pat is no end of fun, and besides, he's a mighty good woodsman. Let's hunt up Hal and Spud and tell them the good news. You forgot we haven't got consent of the folks at home yet. "'And you can't skin a deer until you've got him, you know,' panted the younger boy as he strove to recover his breath. "'It's just as good as secured,' declared Walter. "'My father and Hal's will approve of anything that the big chief approves of, "'and I guess your folks and spuds will feel the same way. "'I wonder where the other fellows are.' "'Fishing,' replied Plimpton. "'Said they couldn't stand the suspense doing nothing. "'And fishing is the greatest antidote for overwrought nerves in the world.' They were going to try their luck at Bass Rock, and we can signal them from the end of the pier. The two boys hurried down to the long pier and out to the end of it. Far up the lake at a famous fishing ground were three canoes. Cupping his hands over his mouth, Walter sent the long yell of the Delawares rolling across the water, and in a moment the yell was returned, followed by the Seneca yell. They're up there all right, all right exclaimed walter and climbing up on top of a big post at the extreme end of the pier he signaled with his arms in the semaphore code o k almost instantly a figure stood up in the bow of one of the canoes and began to wave his arms in a way that to the uninitiated would have been meaningless but which to good scouts was as clear as spoken words h u r r a h w a i t F-O-R-U-S, spelled Plimpton. Then the figure in the canoe dropped down. The sun flashed on two paddles, and the canoe shot toward them at a rate that made the two watchers grin. Some paddlers, commented Walter. Must be trying for a record. Wonder why? When the canoe drew alongside, it was a question which was the more eager and excited, the bearers of the good news or the impatient fishermen? Questions and answers volleyed back and forth until at last all hands were forced to pause for breath. The canoe was lifted from the water, the fish dressed and turned over to the mess cook, and the four boys adjourned to their favorite retreat in the lean-to where Hal had broken the news of the main disappointment only the day before. There they at once plunged into a discussion of plans as if no such thing as parental objection were possible. The first thing to be done was to write to the folks at home. Dr. Marion was consulted, and he gladly consented to write a personal note to be enclosed in each letter, 
the afternoon boat carried the four letters and with this matter off their minds the boys turned their undivided attention to the subjects of equipment supplies etc at once there was a conflict of opinion as a matter of fact they were confronting a new experience upton had previously made two trips into the wilderness one short one with big jim the guide and a two weeks cruise on swift river on which lewis woodhall hal and plimpton had been his companions the two latter had made but this one trip while spud's experience consisted solely of the two and three day trips with a guide which were part of the general training of dr merriam's famous woodcraft camp all of these had been chiefly by water there had been some two-day trips into the mountains with guides but these were so short that they hardly furnished a basis for decision as to how to prepare for a two weeks hike if this were a canoe cruise we were getting ready for i could make out in ten minutes a list of everything that we would want to take but this stunt is so different that i really don't know where i am and you fellows are just as much at sea declared walter after a heated argument over the amount of food supplies they should take with a canoe the mistake of taking too much isn't so bad though it is bad enough on the carries eh hal hal grinned at the memory of their discomfiture on the first portage of their swift river trip when he and walter had overloaded themselves in an effort to show plimpton what a tenderfoot he was me for travelling light every time when i've got to be my own pack-horse said he i thought we were pretty near to living the simple life on that trip but this time it will have to be the primitive life if we are going to get any fun out of it there will be no going back for second loads it's going to be one big portage from start to finish and every ounce is going to count i tell you what let's leave this matter until pat shows up to-night and be guided by what he says he knows better than we do what we are likely to go up against and he's travelled enough in these old woods to know just what we will and what we won't need you you don't suppose there's a chance that he'll back out do you this was a contingency that none of them had thought of and the very suggestion had a depressing effect if pat failed them the trip was off now let's go up to the lumber camp and make sure suggested spud nix said walter shortly we don't want to be butting in on pat while he's at work i guess we can stand the suspense until night he said he'd be here right after mess and when pat says he'll do a thing he does it you can count on him every time let's organize this expedition it would be mighty poor scout craft to start out on a trip like this without a clear understanding of of there was a momentary hesitancy which spud instantly seized upon of whose boss he suggested walter flushed slightly that's about the size of it he assented of course we ought to have a leader and agree to take orders from him just as if it were a regular patrol then there won't be any wrangling over a difference of opinion each one ought to have certain duties for which he is to be held responsible and all this ought to be decided before we start Hoopah! hold me tight fellows i've got an idea spud broke in what is it don't ask him fellows it's a shame to take away the only one he's ever had does it hurt spud i bet you swiped it spud drew himself up in a grand pretense of offended dignity just for that i have a great mind to keep it all to myself he asserted but i won't no sir i won't because as a scout under oath i am bound to help other people at all times and you need my idea you need help 
and so I've got to give it to you. I hate to part with it under such conditions, but my sense of duty compels me to. What's the matter with organizing a regular patrol for three weeks, or until we're out of the woods? By Jove, he did have one after all. Bully idea, Spud. What do you say, fellows? exclaimed Hal. Walter and Plimpton agreed that this was just the solution of the problem. Even though they were one short of the required number for a regular patrol with Pat counted in, how should we choose a leader? By vote? asked Plimpton. Scout leaders are usually appointed by a scout master. What's the matter with laying the matter before the big chief and having him appoint the leader? Then it will be all regular and according to the rules, said Spud. Another idea? howled Hal. Fellows, this thing is getting serious. He'll be having brain fever the first thing we know. We'll have to have him examined before we take him with us on this trip. Two ideas within five minutes. Say, Spud, honest now, do you feel well? Spud grinned. Now you mention it, I believe my head does ache a little, he confessed. What about my little scheme? It was promptly agreed to, and the boys started at once for Dr. Miriam's headquarters to lay the matter before him. His eyes twinkled as he listened. You have the right idea, said he. Without organization, nothing worthwhile is accomplished in this world. Lacking it, there can be no discipline, and failure in this respect means complete failure of any expedition. I believe all of you are scouts of the first class, and this means that you will accept orders from your leader and obey them without question. You may make mistakes. The greatest leaders in the world do that. You may not agree with him. Probably there will be many times when you will not, but mine is not to question why, mine is but to do and die, paraphrase the irrepressible spud, sato voce. Exactly, said the doctor, joining in the general laugh. You rung the bull's-eye that time, Eli, only I hope you won't be called on to make quite such a sacrifice. Then his face grew sober and his voice earnest as he continued. All of you have been scouts long enough to thoroughly understand the importance of obedience to orders, and it is a matter of pride with me that I can implicitly rely on woodcraft boys to live up to their scout oath. If I couldn't, I would not give my sanction to this trip. Since Upton and Plimpton laid it before me this morning, I have given the matter a great deal of thought, and I believe it is going to be a splendid test of scoutcraft and one which, if you meet it successfully, will not only add to your own personal prestige, but will reflect no small honor on Woodcraft Camp. While this trip has been planned as a pleasure trip, pure and simple, I believe that it should have a serious purpose as well. And with this end in view, I am going to make it an official expedition of discovery and exploration sent out by Woodcraft Camp. Of course, I have known more or less of Lost Trail for years and it has been in my mind to sometime do what you propose to do, work it out to the end. Now I take great pleasure in commissioning you to do what I would do were I to undertake the task myself. You will fully map out the trail, make notes of the topography of the country, the varieties and condition of standing timber, the prospects of reforestation where the country has been lumbered over, the watercourses and their condition, the vegetable and animal life, 
and whatever else of value and interest you may discover. You will, of course, blaze the trail as you go for the guidance of others who may desire to make the trip in the future. It is quite possible, indeed I think it probable, that you will not be able to re-establish the line of the old trail in full, but failure to do this must not be regarded as a failure of the expedition, providing you win through to some point across the international boundary, whence you can secure transportation home and have faithfully made the records already mentioned. These records you will forward to me in the form of a detailed report after you have reached your homes. The report will be placed in the files of Woodcraft Camp, and a copy duly sworn to will be forwarded to the National Headquarters of the Boy Scouts of America in New York. You have an opportunity, I may say an exceptional opportunity, to demonstrate what scout training can do to develop manliness self-reliance, and efficiency in average boys. I shall look to you to establish a record which I personally and all present and future members of Woodcraft Camp will take pride in. You have asked me to appoint a leader. In view of his experience as a leader of a patrol at his home, and the fact that he has had a somewhat more extended experience in the woods than the rest of you, I herewith appoint Upton as leader, he is your commanding officer, and on him rests the responsibility for the success or failure of the undertaking. It is your privilege to adopt a name for the patrol. If you'll permit me, I will make a suggestion in this connection. It is that you adopt the name of Lone Wolf. I choose this because it suggests tirelessness, ability to hold your own under the most adverse conditions, persistence on the long trail, absolute self-reliance, marvelous ability in trailing, extreme hardihood, and because the wolf was once a familiar inhabitant of the country through which you are going, and even now is occasionally encountered, despite persistent hunting by man. Of his undesirable traits we will say nothing, added the doctor with a smile. It is sufficient that he possesses to a marked degree the desirable traits mentioned, and they are traits that you will need on such a trip as you propose. Now, one thing more. When you are ready to start, I will give you a sealed message to be delivered to the chief magistrate of the town or village where your trail ends. Now you have something less than two weeks in which to prepare, and you know the success of any undertaking lies largely in the thoroughness of the preparations. I shall be glad to give you such advice as seems wise. Have you any questions to ask at this time? If you please, Doctor. We are rather at a loss as to what is the proper equipment for a trip of this kind, and should greatly appreciate your advice in the matter, said Walter. Mr. Leader, replied the doctor gravely, albeit with a twinkle in his kindly eyes, it is quite as much a test of good scout-craft to prepare for the trail properly as to take care of yourself when on the trail. It seems to me that it is your business to work out this problem for yourselves. When you have done so, you may report to me, and then I shall be glad to make suggestions. If that is all, now we will end this conference with the understanding that this expedition has my hearty approval and my confidence in its success. Giving the scoutmaster's salute, the boys withdrew. Once outside the office, Spud drew a long breath. "'Say!' he exclaimed. 
Isn't the big chief a peach? Made me feel like a regular explorer going out to hunt for something big like the North Pole or the lost mines of the Incas or, or the African pygmies. And didn't he put it straight up to us, though? Regular old foxy grandpa about that fitting out business. I guess he's right about that. You can't put anything over on the big chief. It'll be great taking that message and all. Hurrah for the lone wolves! Say, Walt, excuse me, Mr. Leader, when are you going to appoint your officers? Upton grinned. I herewith make my first appointment. Private Spud Eli, official sunshine maker of the Lone Wolf Patrol, he announced. Now, fellows, I guess there's nothing doing until Pat gets in tonight. Then we can get down to business and plan. The doctor has put it up to us, sure enough, and as good scouts we are bound to see it through. Get your think-wheels buzzing and be ready to talk business tonight. I'm going for a swim. Anybody else coming? Me, responded the three voices as one, and the lone wolves fell in behind their leader at a dog trot for the canoes. End of chapter 3